welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. My name is Nathan, one of your hosts of the podcast, and I'm really grateful that you're here. Decided to join us for another episode of season six. You can visit our website at www.bridgingchicago.com to learn all about this season and our prior five seasons of the podcast. Today, I am joined by Kim Close, Executive Director of the Foundation of Little Village. Kim founded the organization in 2018 and since then has worked to increase resources and opportunities available to small businesses in Little Village. She also manages the Fund for Equitable Business Growth Partnership Grant, which provides a network of Spanish language entrepreneurial resources. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nathan. Yeah, we are so excited to learn more about you and the organization and what it's doing there in Little Village and also about the Little Village community. But first, we are bridging Chicago. We always like to start with hearing your Chicago story about what brought you here, if you grew up here, and sort of how you interact with the city. Yeah, um, so I'm actually a Texas native. Okay. I think I moved to Chicago when I was about 25 or 26. Um, I Yeah, I think it was just a little wanderlust yeah. and, you know, in love with the architecture, culture, mm-hmm. the lake, um, the music scene, the food, all of those things. So I came for a visit and then I came back for another visit and then another visit, another visit, and then I decided to relocate. The The company I was working for at the time had a Chicago office, so okay. I, I, I transferred offices and um, continued working um, from Chicago. So yeah, I've been here close to 20 years, coming on 20 years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chicago has such a, a neighborhood mindset, but also um, I, I feel like, you know, being a big city in the Midwest, sort of gives you an understanding of what Chicago is, where we're not New York, we're not LA, because we're we're situated right here in the heart of the Midwest. But, you know, I grew up in a town of 1600 people downstate. So Chicago to me is very different than where I grew up. So for you coming from Texas, uh, what did you see or what did you feel about the city that made you kind of connect with that, that neighborhood network and that mentality of, you know, these small little neighborhoods within a big city. Yeah, so so when I graduated college, I actually moved to the East Coast and I was living okay. in DC. And then, um, and there's definitely like an East Coast vibe and I yeah. was in love with it in my youth. And then, but when I was visiting the Midwest, it definitely had more of like a sort of like a homey Midwest feel like, and I felt like um, sometimes the interactions with people on the East Coast or in DC were kind of cold, you mm. know? So I felt more um, like, I just felt more uh, like people were just nicer here, to be yeah. honest, you know, like the wait staff and like, I don't know, sometimes, I mean, I was driving the other day and, you know, I like waved at some people as I let them <laughs> in, you know, it's such like a, uh, like a Southern thing, you know, yeah. and I forget sometimes that people don't do that. I still <laughs> yeah. do it, you know, but you know, people wave back of like you wave. And, and so that type, I know it's like kind of subtle, but that type of, I just yeah. felt more um, at home here than I did like kind of on the East coast, that sort of homey Midwest vibe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I definitely enjoy it. Um, what did you do when you first moved here to Chicago? Um, so I traded foreign currencies. Uh, I worked for um, a company that helped 
importers, uh, you know, basically like pay bills and mm. pay, um, like even pay staff, like in all the currencies in the world that you could imagine. Kind of like Western Union, but it was for okay. like private businesses, okay. you know, doing international trade. Yeah. So, and we know that you have been an entrepreneur for 10 years now. Mm. So how did you go from the trading or, or sort of the public s- sector to, I'm going to start something. I have an idea. I, I see a need. Yeah. You know, you know, I wish that I, I, you know, I wish I could say that I, I really saw a need and identified a gap in the market. But, you know, I think like I started my own personal entrepreneurial journey when I was not long after I came to Chicago, maybe 20, 26, 27. Um, and I think I was just pursuing a dream. Okay. Um, you know, which is how I think how a lot of like young people start, um, like decide to, um, venture off that path. that's like set for them, you know, like go to college, get a degree, like, you know, get a job in corporate America. And then I was like, but you know, you grow up and then you're like, well, what do I want my life to be? So, you know, I started a different, um, entrepreneurial journey of like pursuing um you know pursuing what my interests Mm. were about you know and i learned a lot in that journey i learned a lot about the difference between having a hobby and having a business um and what it means to have a successful business and and at the end of the day I, i i i closed up shop but you know it that was um it was very difficult i call it the worst breakup of my life like shutting down my business but it was also you know uh it was a little bit of tough medicine but that was Mm. like what i had to like learn from that experience you know like it felt like a severe failure on my part but it was like until i had that experience of like um you know sort of shutting down when i invested so much of my heart and soul into you know that i was able to grow and learn like well what didn't work for me yeah and what you know how can i save other entrepreneurs this pain you know yeah yeah i think when i hear about small businesses or entrepreneurs who just say like all right i tried it didn't work move on or try something else or you know get a job or you know wherever they're at at that point i think in some ways it is like heartbreak because i think the the courage that it takes to go out and do something like that you want you feel like it deserves to be rewarded and it sometimes mm-hmm. just isn't and mm-hmm. have you seen that in your experience either uh, i mean i know you you talked about your your shop but with other people as well have you seen where it's like they do the work but it just doesn't quite get uh, successful enough to continue to do it you know, for as long as you need to. Yeah. So one of the most difficult lessons, there are people who are like truly have an entrepreneurial mindset and they're going to start, they, they run multiple businesses. They're going to yeah. continue to start businesses until they find um, probably not even just one that works, but multiple, mm-hmm. like they want it. They're interested in creating multiple revenue streams that are, you know, increase their success, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, and then there's another brand of entrepreneur that is like really pursuing a passion. And I've talked with our 
financial literacy instructor about this type of entrepreneur. And of course, in some ways, they're the most driven, but in other ways, they really want the market to validate their passion. Mm. And um, as opposed to like people who have more of a growth, entrepreneurs that have more of a growth oriented mindset understand that they have to um, either create a market that doesn't exist or um, like find gaps in the market where they can create an innovative product or Mm. service that um, that will that will attract new customers. But um, so if there's already 15 competitors selling um you know actually a little village is is could be used as a good example of this you know in little village there are um over a hundred food businesses you know and they are selling different types of mexican food uh panaderias um all sorts of things but um it's highly highly competitive to open i can't tell you how many taco shops i see open on 26th street that are there for like less than six months you know and that's their dream and i know that they believe that they have the best taco it's a very very competitive market um to sell tacos in little village but there's other parts of the city that you know are probably in dire need of a really good taco (laughs) you know and they so if they could find the right market they could um perhaps achieve a success that they can't achieve because there's too high of a competition. And it's not that they lack the passion, you know, of course, like they want to have a successful taqueria in Little Village, um, but they have to, um, they have to just do more more market analysis, understand their client profile, their value proposition, and, you know, make business decisions based on uh, their, you know, their current position in the market, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you, you made a point in there about sort of the spirit and, and sort of, you know, some entrepreneurs feel like they need to start many at one time or some, you know, do many aspects of their business, kind of wanting to just do a lot of things. Do you feel like people like that tend to attract other people and kind of bring them all together? Because I feel like when I hear um, from you know, we all know about the side hustle, you know, everyone, mm-hmm. a lot of people have a side hustle now, but for entrepreneurs, I feel like, do they side hustle together? Like, do they work together to say, okay, you need this. I, I have this, I have a day, a month that I can help you, you know, put together your newsletter or put together your marketing stuff or whatever it might be. Um, so this is, uh, so this is actually one of the things that, that the foundation of Little Village is actively investing in is creating this this network effect um and working together to create what's known as social capital and building an entrepreneur's social capital and their network of resources Mm. it does lead to further success so there's this myth that you can make it just like on your own you know yeah and that uh, that if you're intelligent enough and passionate enough, like you can overcome all the challenges. Mm, yeah, but yeah. what research and what you know just experience has shown to successful entrepreneurs is that they need to build these this network effect around them um, to amplify their message and bring uh, higher levels of expertise into their into their like small business model, you know, because they can't necessarily be an expert in everything. Mm. So they need to, if they have a weak spot, they like my weak spot is social media. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm 
I can barely post a photo, you know, but it's like, I have a social media manager who like can get our message out there and create that content for us. So, um, so same thing goes with any sort of entrepreneur and it's like, they just need to, um, identify their gaps and like attract in the right resources and build a stronger network. And actually the programming that we run, um, Juntos lanzamos for businesses in ideation stage and juntos emprendemos for businesses that are trying to grow, Mm. um, businesses that maybe have one to two years under their belt, like the cohorts themselves function as like a referral network Mm. and um, they can share experiences and um, begin to build those relationships that help them. And um, for any of the listeners out there that um, are our, 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 our little village, you know, they know that this is the power of the discount mall is yeah. that you had 300 right. vendors in one spot. So right. you could get a quinceanera dress and like um, get your music and uh, for, for, for your, for your event and like get, you know, go to the joyeria and get gifts and all of this stuff in mm-hmm. one place. And so you created, they had that, and, and, and the vendors are still there. Um, there's not, this is about half capacity right now, but um, that, that they built that in that space. Yeah. And that's why it was such a powerful um, marketplace. Interesting. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, Little Village, it, it's a, a neighborhood here in, in the city, but for people who haven't been there, um, can you share about what Little Village is like, and then how your your connection came to be with Little Village. Yeah, so, well, Little Village is the best neighborhood in <laughs> Chicago, in my humble opinion. Um, and uh, it is a, um, the name is a little bit of a misnomer, Little Village, or as um, a lot of the residents call it, La Villita. It is little, but it's actually a, big economic powerhouse within the city and the state mm. of Illinois. Um, it's also known as the Second Magnificent Mile 26th Street, which is a two-mile-long commercial corridor stretching from um, California to Costner. And it is known for being the second highest tax revenue creator in the city. Wow. Um, and it is clearly important on the state level as well. Yeah. Um, there are... Mm, I don't know how many standalone brick and mortar businesses, um, maybe upwards of 200 to 300, like, you know, maybe on the corridor, there's close to 200. There's the discount mall. So you're going to find, but what makes it really important to, it's also known as the Mexico of the Midwest. And that, um, so you're going to find like the best Mexican food, um, outside of Mexico, like in, um, in Little Village and also um, quinceañera shops and joyerias and um, like clubs and just everything. It's a cultural mecca. It is, um, it's a port of entry also for immigrants into the United States. Um, it, the, uh, a couple of years ago, Little Village, the Little Village Arch received um, a historical marker status. And this arch is uh, it's a cultural icon. It, it represents Little Village, but, you know, it's also, it says, Bienvenidos a Little Village. And it's it's welcoming, like, people to that community, but also into the United States. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, 
And then did you move to Little Village or, or how did you? Yeah, so I'm not living in Little Village currently, but I did live there. I lived, I've been working in Little Village for five years. I lived there two of those five okay. years. Um, and yeah, um, yeah, I lived on 26 and Millard, like in the heart of the community. Yeah. And yeah, and I lived across the street from my office. So yeah. just worked it's such a there. vibrant community. Like it, yeah. it, there's always, uh, it's just like, there's always people there and people who are very happy to be there. And I think mm-hmm. when, when you think about Chicago and when you see Chicago on most things, you do see downtown, you do see the lake, you do see the, the skyline. Um, and yeah, you know, if you have that, you're going to show it off, certainly. But one of the, I've, I've only been to Little Village uh, a couple of times. And one of the senses that I got from it was that people who live there live there because they want to, because they love it, because that's home. And it's like, sometimes I think that people feel like people live in certain places because they have to, or because mm-hmm. that's where their culture is or, or whatever. And it's like, well, and it's one of the things that was clear to me is in Little Village, people choose to live there because of what you feel and what you get from the neighborhood and what you can give back to the neighborhood like it's it's definitely seems like a choice of the neighbors to be in the community and a part of the community there Mm -hmm. yeah i think i had a little bit of a strange like circuitous route to get to little village Mm. because i started working in little village because i was hired to write grants to bring money into the community okay to bring to 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 do things like find a grant to get funding to run an entrepreneurial cohort. Like, you know, I did not create that cohort, you know, and, and just one note on the, the Juntos programming that we run is that this programming is original Spanish language content. Mm. So it was written by business advisors working in little village, seeing what was coming in through the door and what they needed help with. It yeah. wasn't an English language content that was just created to work nationwide that was then like translated into Spanish. It was created um, it, it was created to be place-based and specific to Little Village and the surrounding communities yeah, yeah. and the unique business challenges that um, that those business owners are are faced with. So um, but yeah, so I just started working and writing um, to get uh, to attract in um, philanthropic dollars to be invested in Little Village. Now, as everybody knows, well, you know, as I stated previously, Little Village is this huge tax base, right? Right. Um, from this very vibrant commercial corridor, but it doesn't, those same tax dollars don't always get reinvested back into the community mm-hmm. in the same um, way that they might in other neighborhoods across the city of Chicago. And so, um, like a, any good entrepreneur, there was a big gap in yeah. Little Village that um, that opened up that 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 philanthropic partners and funders were interested in, which was that they were interested in having an economic development center put in an economic development engine put in Little Village Mm. to support what was already happening there, you know, to support there were there's thousands of entrepreneurs, you know, it is um, the people of 
the residents of Little Village are highly entrepreneurial, you know, perhaps probably more so than anybody else, than any other community in the city, right? But they didn't have the same access to resources, yeah. the same access to programming, and they didn't have the same, um, like, they're lacked like an organization like a type of organizational support and programming to uh, to help them overcome their initial challenges to building yeah. um, familial wealth, community wealth through entrepreneurial and business activities. Um, that was already what was happening. Okay. But there was a lack of services to match that. So, so when um, the, uh, you know, when the board of directors identified this gap, like um, it became very, actually it was incredibly easy to, um, to sort of build an organization around that because it's not because it already the things that were happening look it wasn't a hard sell the things that like the cases that i had to make to get the funding it was like the community speaks for itself like Mm. look at what they're already doing right 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 what could be the return on investment if you supported these businesses like with this programming with micro granting this type of thing like they're the impact that you could create would be, um, you know, uh, huge. So that's like, that's how that's, that was the inception of the organization and the, and um, this impact driven work, you know? So, so yeah. So So is that what sort of separates your organization from being a local chamber of commerce? Uh, This sort of equitable, think tank essentially of you know reinvestment of the community itself and and sort of saying okay we have a bunch of entrepreneurs here um how do we invest in those with what's already here and sort of get them investing in each other yeah so excellent question so the little so the foundation of little village we actually are are funded to create an entrepreneurial ecosystem of partnerships okay. that we can okay. then use for referrals and um, like uh, programmatic partners and stuff yeah. like that. So the Little Village Chamber of Car- uh, Chamber of Commerce is one of our partners. Um, okay. And they, as everybody knows, they put on the best Mexican Independence Day parade. Um, and uh, yeah, great weather this year for the parade. <laughs> it was fantastic. And um and then they also do a lot of networking events that help build social capital, as we talked about. Yeah. And um, and then they do a lot of other things like uh, promoting the neighborhood, beautification of the neighborhood through okay. the SSA. And um, so what our organization is doing is um, leveraging partnerships like that to bring value and impact to the community. But also because we have a 501c3 status, what, what our vision and mission really is, is to build community wealth, preserve the cultural identity, and um, bring, uh, you know, do corridor revitalization through, mm. like, bringing investment into the community. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by that, I want to be very specific about that. Um, what we're talking about is, like, having current business owners acquire their properties instead oh. of, um, instead of like, renting, renting. their properties. Yeah. It's a way of preventing gentrification and building community wealth and preserving the cultural okay. identity. So we have helped multiple businesses on the corridor acquire acquire the buildings that they're in and uh-huh. renovate the buildings, which is what the foundation is actually in the middle of doing as well as um, we acquired a property on 26th and Drake known as the Skeena Incubator and Cafe 
And we're currently in the process of um, a redevelopment of that building okay. to create a business incubator yeah. with um, a community cafe yeah. operated by Catedral and the amazing Chef Ambrosio. And um, also a shared commercial kitchen because of the high number of restaurant entrepreneurs that exist. Okay. Restaurant and food business entrepreneurs yeah. like consumer packaged goods like salsa. Um, you know, things yeah. like that, that could be done in a commercial kitchen in Little Village yeah. and, um, and then accompanied with a co-working space for like people who have, you know, say you have a podcast. We actually, <laughs> we're trying to fund a multimedia room and you want to have a podcast. You could have like yeah. that space in the co-working yeah, space so upstairs cool. and conference rooms like that are available to the use of the community yeah. and free Wi-Fi. So it's yeah, cool. it's it's huge, and with all that, I mean, you you talk a lot about partnerships, partnerships um, with organizations and with the community. How do you identify good partnerships? How do you lean into those and and use those in a way that benefits, you know, both sides of that partnership? <clears throat> yeah, so I would say the most important way that we learn about identifying partnerships is from the participants that we service. They're like, hey, do you know somebody who? And then I'm like, no, (laughs) I don't. And then, you know, and then you start researching, you start like picking up the phone and making phone calls and trying to fill out, fill in the gaps, you know? Um, but then sometimes people partner with us, you know, um, we just, one of our newest partnerships is with, um, Northwest side CDC in Belmont, oh, yeah. Craig, and like we're delivering. on the podcast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jason Estramera. Yeah. yeah. And Jessica Vasquez. Yeah. So they were partnered. We're delivering Juntos Emprendemos, um, in Belmont, Craig, okay. you know, through the partnership because they wanted to, you know, have an entrepreneurial cohort. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. their business owners up there. So. Wow, yeah, small world. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Kim, I, I've learned so much about what you're doing and about the, you know, little village itself, but I think it's all, it's very exciting to you. And, and I, I think the reinvestment piece is really important because um, like in a world that is never really fair and maybe as adults, we don't, we shouldn't expect fair anymore. It doesn't seem fair for, uh, a community that is so um, important in the financial landscape of the state, even just to, to not get that reinvestment of what they're generating. I think, you know, life isn't fair, but that doesn't seem fair. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that um, there are organizations like yours that are doing that work. And I know that there are others down there as well. Yeah, yeah. It is a strong community of nonprofit leaders working together to help the entire community achieve more equitable livelihood. Yeah, yeah. So great. Well, thank you again for joining us. And of course, we want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. You can learn more about the foundation of Little Village by visiting their website, www.flvchicago.org or by visiting them on Instagram using their handle at FLVChicago. You can also find more information and listen to our other episodes of the podcast at www.bridgingchicago.com or by visiting us on Instagram and Twitter where our handle is at BridgingChicago. And of course, you can always connect with us on LinkedIn by searching Bridging Chicago. Thanks. We'll see you on another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. 
Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceedings.